Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Well, thank you so much for having me. um, As I told you before I hit record, it it feels really special to um, be reading your words and then open Zoom and see your face and hear your voice. And thank you for being here. Um, Today's guest is Hannah Matthews. And the world does not yet mostly know your book, but will very soon. This episode's going to come out on your book release date. It's called You or Someone You Love, Reflections from an Abortion Doula. Um, I got the book in the mail from your publisher, which I'm super grateful for. I'm only about a third of the way through it. And I was like, you know what? It's perfect. This is, this is the work, right? It's like, we get ourselves into it, but we don't know it all and we can't know it all. And we're just willing to jump in and have the conversation. So here we are willing to jump in and have this conversation. (laughs) I also know very few people with the time and energy to read a book completely in a short period of time right now. So no worries at all. Um, I also happen to be a very slow reader. um, But I've already, like I said, I'm about a third of the way through and there's, I'm the, I'm the person who writes in the book and underlines and circles and dog ears and like, I love that. it's been like such a pleasure and I'm so grateful. So before we start talking about, um, the book, um, do you want to just introduce yourself in a way that feels good for today's audience? Um, sure. tell us who you are and we'll start chatting. Sure. I'm Hannah. Um, I'm a clinic worker and abortion doula and then a writer as well. Um, I'm a mother. I have a two-year-old, as we were just talking about before we started recording. And let's see, I'm white. I'm cis. Um, My pronouns are she, her. I'm disabled and chronically ill. I have type 1 diabetes that pretty much runs my life and um, my body is very much my boss. And so for anyone else who is feeling like an employee of their body, I completely, I'm with you. Um, And I think I live in New England. Um, I am, uh, I, I finished this book kind of I I began it before the Dobbs decision and what feels like a lifetime ago. um, And I finished it last year and I'm excited that it's going to be out in the world. Um, I should say a hundred percent of any royalties I earn on the book are going to abortion funds, Mm -hmm. um, specifically the T fund, the Blue Ridge abortion fund and indigenous women rising, which is the fund for all indigenous folks who need abortion care. And they also do like incredible um, like breast pump distribution programs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is all maybe that's relevant or interesting about me, but I'm an open book. So happy to answer, um, anything else I will say I've 
given birth, I've had a C-section and I've had a medication abortion and an in-clinic aspiration. So those are kind of my lived experiences, which I think is sometimes helpful um, to self-disclose for folks who, uh, you know, just kind of, it's helpful sometimes for people to know like, oh, this person has a reference, like this person has a baseline understanding of if I say I had a medication abortion or an in-clinic, or if I say, you know, I have this C-section like trauma, then, you know, something that my body maybe understands a little better than if it had not also experienced something similar. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me as a mom, um, becoming a mother and childbirth was something I was very involved in, like I was in that world before I had my own kids. Mm. Um, but it was very much something like you can't understand until you go through it, but not to the same degree as my abortion experience. Like my abortion experience was so much a wake up call. (laughs) I do think it's really important to say we've been through this, not like you have, because your story is yours and your circumstances are yours. Um, But I know personally, my experience was that like, I had no idea what it was like until I went through it. And I can say that about things like getting married or childbirth or like, whatever, all kinds of other situations in my life, but none to the extent that the lived experience of moving through an abortion was so unlike anything I felt prepared for or understood. Did did you have that experience? Because you too were like involved in the world. Like you weren't unaware before you had, obviously you you were very much aware. Um, Did you too have that experience? I did. I think I really you know, so since 2017, I've worked directly in abortion care with people having abortions. And so I think I probably thought I had an idea of what my own abortion experiences would feel like. And that certainly I knew what they would look like. Um, But that's so different, right? What something looks like and what something feels like. And just, yeah, I think ideas and conceptions I had about what might what would be right for me that turned out not to be. Um, I think it really was a wake up call for me of something I kind of intellectually knew, but now I really feel is when someone says I had an abortion, you don't know what that means. Like that could mean (laughs) such an enormous spectrum of experiences. Um, and even the process of the body could be totally different. So my, like, I was always someone who said, and I remember my coworkers and I talking about this, like, oh, if I had to have an abortion today, like if I, you know, what would I choose? Because my clinic does offer both medication abortions and in-clinic aspirations. Um, And I had always said, oh, I would just want an in-clinic abortion, you know, have sedation, have the procedure, be done, go home, like go about my business. And then when it actually push came to pregnant shove and I Mm. discovered I was pregnant and I had a one-year-old at home and, you know, knew that I needed to end the pregnancy. I actually found that my deep desire was to go home and be with my family while I had my abortion and be at home. 
And so I said, no, I actually need a medication abortion and it's okay with me that this could take two days. It's okay with me that like, this could be more complicated, messier, you know, all those things more drawn out. Um, And so I did, and it was so beautiful to go home with my medications, take my drugs, be sitting with my baby on my lap, Mm. playing with them, you know, really like be with my family, have my partner, you know, there. It's kind of experiencing it alongside me the same way he did my son's birth. Um, yeah. It just like, for whatever reason, that was what was right for me. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, my body said like, no, you don't actually make this decision today. I'm going to make Guess it. Guess what? And- You're going to experience <laughs> both kinds. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So then I got a call saying, you know, from my coworker saying like, actually, your HCG is going up. So you know, this medication abortion has failed and there is still tissue. And so I ended up having to go um, have the aspiration. And that was, you know, I was grateful also to have that experience of the midwife who did my aspiration abortion. um, And I might cry is just like the person who has shepherded me through kind of each of these things. Like she inserted my IUD Oh, so many years ago, she then removed my IUD. So I get pregnant and she knew I was wanting to get pregnant. And then I did and had my son. Um, And then so for her to perform my aspiration abortion was just like this really beautiful, um, you know, I kind of was like my, my person, my shepherd is here to like bring me to the other side of this experience, just like she has brought me to the other side of these other experiences. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that it was, you know, just the care I received obviously should be the standard for everyone and um, should be, you know, I always like to say like, when we figure out how to get everyone the abortion care they need, we need to get everyone the abortion care they dream of. And like, really my, I felt a lot of grief and a lot of pain and it was very complicated for me to have my abortion, but the care I received was the care I would dream of. Like it was just so, I was so held by my community. Yeah. I felt the same way in my care. I mean, both of us have privileges that allow that experience. Um, because I was so involved in the birth world, I was able to like text my obstetrician on a Saturday morning as a friend and say, help me. And she did. And she walked me through it so beautifully and handed me off to coworkers who so beautifully held me. And, um, and I think one of the things about having that experience that actually led me to, to move into this work was if I'm getting this level of care and attention and still struggling so much, I cannot even fathom what this is like for someone who's not getting this care and attention. Um, That was such a huge wake up call to me to be like so held and so loved and so supported and have so many privileges in place and still struggle like so hard and so deeply. And you know, like books like yours, um, there aren't that many of them, right? So like there aren't a lot of resources for people after, um, after they move through an abortion. And that, like, I felt that so much, like 
I felt so loved and supported getting through it. And then I felt like, well, now what? Now what? Yes. And you really are, you know, postpartum in this way that is not recognized um, and doesn't even have terminology and language for. Um, And I feel like the message we send to people when we don't even give something a name is that like they're imagining it. They're the only ones experiencing it. Like we don't even bother to acknowledge that it exists. Um, But yeah, that post-abortion period, you know, even just hormonally, like can be really intense and people can need a lot of support and just to be seen and understood. Like if I am with a patient or someone who had an abortion two weeks ago, often they're like so apologetic and so like, oh, it was two weeks ago. Like, I don't, you know, it's like, there's this expectation that they're going to like move on within 24 hours um, and not, be experiencing any of these like physical or emotional things, which is so awful. Like we yeah. can't, <laughs> we just yeah. are rushing people through this process. And for some people it is very, it's not an interruption of their life really in any way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's great. Like I love when there's someone who's like, oh yeah, that like, I didn't, I'm not even thinking about that. like, <laughs> that's yeah. not. But I mean, that's you know, so I, different than any other reproductive or any other human experience we go through, but I'll just say reproductive experience, right? Like some people go in and pop out a baby and then they like are back hiking or jogging like within weeks. And then other people like, right. It's, it's no different. And so that brings me back to like something you said toward the beginning, which was when someone says I had an abortion or I've had abortions, um, we don't know what that means. And like one of my favorite teachers is David Bedrick and he does a lot of work around unshaming and like such a great follow-up question to that is what was that like for you? You know, like, tell me about it. Cause I don't know when you say I had an abortion, I don't know what that was like for you. Just like, if you tell me I have anxiety, like, what is that like for you? I, I don't, everyone's anxiety is a different flavor. Like, what was that like for you? Like, just that like one simple question, like, tell me about it. Show me yeah. what it looked like in your body. Like, yeah, I work. On, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. I was just going to say, I work as a volunteer counselor on the exhale text line. Yeah. Um, and often we'll start like the counselor will start, you know, when someone reaches out and sends a text that says like, Hey, I need to talk to someone. We often start saying like, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on for you? Yeah. And I love that phrasing because a lot of people take that and they'll tell you what's going on externally in their Mm -hmm. life. Or a lot of people will really immediately say like, here's what's going on inside my body. Um, Or here's what's going on in my brain and what I'm thinking about and, you know, the emotions and sensations. So it's, it's just like a really great place to start because it doesn't put pressure on someone, you know, to immediately turn inward and tell you what's going on inside. They can say like, you know, I had an abortion and my boyfriend is doing this and my work is like this. And so they can start outside themselves and like come in as they feel comfortable at their pace. Yeah. 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 I, um, I say often that I want to, reread because I've I've only read it once but I always come back to the 
I often come back in my mind to the book, The Four Agreements and remembering how much it struck me like to, to not assume and like how many times in our lives we assume we understand something or we know something. I mean, I do it multiple times a day, every day, even though I'm aware and like, like trying to not assume, like we just do it so naturally all the time. And um, And I know that before- we explicitly say to people like, oh, you must be so relieved. You must be so excited. Like, oh, are you so happy that this is happening? Like, it's just, we immediately assume. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something personally I felt afterwards was like, there was this assumption that I should or would feel relieved and empowered and amazing and grateful. And I did, I absolutely felt all those things. But that was just like a fraction of my actual lived experience of moving through and choosing abortion. Um, And so some of our assumptions are accurate, but to what degree? Like, what is, where is that front and center? Um, Okay, so I'm just, I have some questions about your book. Um, When you imagine a reader reading your book, what do you imagine? (laughs) this is tough for me because writing is so solitary um and I'm also finding myself kind of even though I've written a lot of um you know creative nonfiction and like memoir and personal essays that have been out in the world um I still sometimes find myself like when someone says oh I read you know in this chapter you speak about this and I'm just kind of like whoa, like, how did you, (laughs) how did you get your hands on my personal diary? Um, (laughs) So I find myself like surprised that I have been asking to be seen and people are telling me they're seeing me like every time that's kind of like, um, and I always think D.W. Winnicott says like an artist is someone who desperately wants to hide and be seen at the same time. And that's why artists can never be like happy because you can't achieve both at the same time. And so being seen right now, uh, being perceived and being seen and being approached about the book has been so interesting. And so right now when I'm imagining readers, I'm pretty much imagining my own communities who have the book and, you know, Mm -hmm. folks in repro and other abortion doulas and other providers. Um, But I hope, I hope that where the book will land is, you know, in the hands of people who have had abortions or are having abortions um, and feeling, you know, being, receiving the message that that's not something they should be asking for help with or even asking to have conversations about. Um, And also I hope that there are readers who are pro-choice or pro-abortion, but are not, have not been very curious about actual abortion and what it looks like and what people who are having abortions are experiencing, Um, um, you know, either because they're uncomfortable or because they don't have capacity and or they're right. clueless. I'm going to say oh, I was true. that person before my own experience. I was For like, sure. you know, politically pro-choice, had my little set really? of opinions, but I, 
it wasn't that I didn't have the capacity or I forget the other thing you said. Um, I just was clueless. Like I just had no really? idea. Like, I had no yeah. idea. It was. Yeah. And it's hard to engage. Hard to with... admit, but it, it's true. That was my truth. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I think so many people are. And yeah, for all these different reasons. Right. And I also think like our attention and our, you know, we're all in fight or flight, right? Like we are being traumatized constantly and we're living through things that, you know, I don't think we have the capacity to understand or process what's happening. And so the same way that I'm not really engaging that deeply with the climate crisis and like, you know, the nitty gritty details of the climate crisis, um, because I can't, I think a lot of people feel that way about abortion and about all these like very bizarre, hyper-specific laws that are being passed. And, um, you know, and then also there's that discomfort with the body and sex and pregnancy and death and messiness and like complicated humans behaving in ways that you don't expect them to or want them to. So, you know, there are a lot of reasons, but I hope that honestly, someone picks it up in a bookstore reads a sentence or two and is like, oh, this uh, gives me comfort or this, I feel like this is someone I can trust um, even if I don't necessarily like relate to what she's saying or, you know, whatever the case may be, I hope it finds its way into the hands of people who are curious um, or who just need to see themselves like reflected back in their experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I I know for me, if I had picked up this book afterwards, um, I've, I've read a lot about abortion, only a fraction of what's out there. And I've read a lot of books, but there's a really, really beautiful blend in your, um, in your book of fact and information and resources and story and like artistry and, it's it's just such a like digestible way to understand so much about the abortion conversation and so I would have found myself probably um reading it now I can't say that I was having the same emotional experience I imagine I would have back then but I imagine myself reading it then just like like eyes wide open and then in tears and then in awe. And then like, I think it would have brought all the feels and it didn't to some degree now, um, six years after my own experience, but I, I I'm in and around abortion every single day. So of course it wasn't the same. I just, I do imagine had I picked this book up after it would have been just what I needed so I am positive it will be that for many 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 people thank you so much I hope so I mean that's really all I could hope is that you know it makes one person's experience a little bit easier or gives them language to talk to other people about it which will then make it easier for them um and I try to just remember that when I'm feeling, you know, crushed by <laughs> self-doubt or anxiety yeah. um, about putting the book into the world, because there definitely is a lot of that. Of course, um, of course. So I just try to remember, like, you know, if one person picks this up and, like, reads one section of it and thinks, like, 
oh, okay, like I am acceptable and this person is telling me that there are many other people like me and that's okay and I'm okay. Um, Cause that's, I think what I'm always looking for from a book is like <laughs> at your core, Hannah, yeah. you are okay and you are not unlovable and you don't need to hide. And um, so, yeah, just having that like joyful connection to another human is often what I'm searching for. And so I hope it's like what I can, what someone can find in the yeah. book. I'm just realizing that like um, part of what I love about the style of how you wrote the book is that it matches like the complexity of the experience. Like that's the only word I could describe in my own post-abortion experience was like, it's just so complex. Like, <laughs> There's, I've never been through anything so raw and so vulnerable, also so expanding and so rich and so fertile. And so like, like there's so much complexity. And I think um, hearing you just talk and like thinking about the book, I think the way this book is written matches like that complexity. Like there's so much to think about and so much more to learn and so many ways to describe something. And like, yeah. um, yeah, I think that I'm realizing now. Again, I'm only a third of the way through and I and I will finish just because it's like such a pleasure to read. And I'm like marking it and writing all over it. Um and will be sharing a lot of it with my audience, I'm sure. Um like everything in life, it's just there's so many layers. And I think you did such a good job. Like just again, like you, you can't go in depth to all the layers, but you did such a good job showing a reader that they're there, that they exist. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. It's such a, like, we ascribe this like joy, grief, binary to everything all the time. And we make it really um, difficult for people to talk about feeling both. Um, and that's just like how we're all moving through the world all the time is feeling both. So it's very unhelpful, I think, yeah. <laughs> to be like, this is a good experience. This is a happy, positive experience. This is a bad, sad experience. And like, right. never the two shall meet. But truly being human is like all of that all the time. All of it, all the time. There is one, I, there's no way I'm going to find it right now. But there is one sentence you have about like, <laughs> and you use the word mess, like, I don't know, five times, you probably don't even remember the sentence. Um, and I was like, yes, that's it. <laughs> it's just this messy, beautiful experience of being human. Now I'm like stubbornly wanting to find it. I'm like, I know it was on the left side at the I bottom. Know, that's always, <laughs> totally. We're trying to find like a picture or video on my phone to show someone right. as they wait like, forever. No, it's here. <laughs> um, I am curious as a mother, how you, um, think about, because a lot of people ask me this in my work, um, how you imagine having these conversations with your child and, um, okay, I give up. I'm going to stop looking. At <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What's that like for you to, as, as a caretaker of this next generation of humans? Um, totally. 
and how we talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And it's something I definitely am not <laughs> like all parts of motherhood and like, oh, right. don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, um, figure that out yet, Hannah? <laughs> no, you know, every day something new comes up that I'm like, oh, I don't know how to be someone's mother actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I have, we do have this wonderful children's book um, that I'm sure you're familiar with called what's an abortion yeah. anyway. Yeah. That is like, I love this book so much and we do read it sometimes. Um, And I have thought about talking to my son about my own abortion and what that will look like. Um, But I haven't necessarily, I think again, and I'm sure you felt this, it's like, because it's all around us, you and I, and it's in the water we drink and it's like our day-to-day lives. Like, it's kind of matter of fact, like in the way I talk with him about, you know, when I go to work and I help, you know, that mama has lots of pregnant people waiting for her. So she has to go right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, things like that. But also I do want to leave space. Like if I don't want to just discuss it matter of factly with him and leave no space for him to say like, Oh, I, that makes me feel some kind of way when I think about like, this person being pregnant and maybe they want to be pregnant and they want to have a baby, but they can't. So now they're not pregnant anymore and they're very sad about it. Like you're allowed to say like, Oh, that's not okay. That doesn't feel okay to me. That feels very sad. And I'm feeling very sad. Um, Or, you know, this person would have a baby if we lived in a country that made it possible for them to have a baby and be a great parent. And they'd be probably very happy if they had, resources and support to parent. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't want that to feel normal and okay to him because it's not normal and okay. Right. So that doesn't really answer your question because I don't know is the answer. Well, that's the answer (laughs) to all of my life. I think. Um, Right. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah, When I had my abortion, I had a a three-year-old. I do this all the time. Like how old are my kids? (laughs) So I had like a 12 year old, a 10 year old and a seven year old or something. I don't know. My kids were all different ages and the conversations I had with all of them were totally different. Yeah. Three, seven, 10, they must have been. I have no idea. But now here's what's interesting. So over the last six years, my conversations with them have evolved and changed and like are always, it's just working and moving just like all of parenting um, but this spring, we welcomed in a um, 18-year-old exchange student from Mexico, and mm. Mexico is a very conservative country, and so I have had the most incredible conversations with him about my work and our belief systems and, mm. you know, everything from, you know, trans rights to abortion care to all mm. of it, and I think the more... Um, we're challenged to talk with different people in different ages <laughs> about Definitely. abortion. Yeah. Like I will hear myself again. I talk about abortion every day and I'll hear myself saying it to him in a way I didn't need to say it to my 16 year olds because we For come sure. from the same culture. We come from the same family. Like, So finding new language. And I imagine that's the case for you. I haven't done in-person clinic work um, around Mm -hmm. abortion, but I imagine that's the case with you is like 
every patient you're finding new language and new ways and new um new like expressions of what you actually believe yourself yeah <laughs> and, like definitely. how to how to communicate with someone about right. the experience um totally yeah and people will say things to me about their own situation or their own abortion that I'm like whoa like I that's how you're thinking about it and that's how you are describing it and that's so you know interesting and sometimes doesn't feel great and doesn't align with how I would describe it or you yeah. know um, what I would hope they would feel for themselves. But yeah, it's, it's always like, you know, I always say, and I think I say this in the book 45,000 times, like whoever's having the abortion is the expert on that abortion. Yeah. <laughs> like on that one. That right. And if they have another, it could be completely different. <laughs> totally. And they'll be the expert on that one too. So like, yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to tell someone like, my expertise overrides yours when you're talking about your own abortion. Um, But yeah, it is when you're talking with people who are not speaking about just their own experience and they're talking about like abortion as this big concept that they have in their mind. um, And you're coming from different cultural contexts or like different, you know, even like within the same communities, like obviously it is, much more dangerous for black women to give birth in the U S like it is like to be a black mother is a completely different experience in the United States. Um, and so there's like a shorthand there that obviously I can never ever understand. Um, or if you're a trans person trying to access abortion care and like having to go to a clinic that is called like women's options or women's choices, you're constantly like, and the woman and the mother and the, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, these are things that I'll never be an expert in. And so I'm always like hearing, hearing it and taking it in and thinking like, oh, wow, that's so that's not how I would describe my own experience at all, because it's a completely separate experience. And even though it's both can both be called abortion and both like labeled that or, you know, both be called motherhood and labeled that like, there are universalities, but it's a different, we're talking about two different things, even though we're using the same word. Yeah. I love the section in your book that talks about like the, oh, I'm going to botch whatever you call it. Like, I want to say it's like a values exploration, like the regular pair of like exploring, like, what are my values? What are my personal belief systems? What are my limits? What are my edges? Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about the value of that? Like, I think most of us can understand the value of that in a clinic. Um, But as I was reading, I was like, why aren't we doing more of this just in our daily lives? (laughs) I I feel like I'm constantly reevaluating and questioning and like stretching and shrinking the edges of my like values um, and my comfort levels. But I don't know. I was reading that section of the book and just thinking like we, it would be so great to have more resources that teach us just as humans to have more like value exploration exercises. So yeah, what do you want to share that like a listener could be, could ask themselves, what are my values around abortion? And yeah, for sure. I'll stop. And like, how do we untangle like, Oh, that person's decision makes me feel bad. Like it makes me feel uncomfortable or sad or angry, or I don't agree with the, you know, whatever. And how do we untangle that from 
So therefore they shouldn't be able to make that decision. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, like uh, so much of the anti-abortion movement and like language comes down to like, abortion makes me feel sad. Therefore no one should be able to have an abortion. (laughs) Like I feel that this is like a tragedy and a loss and therefore people shouldn't be able to do it. Um, and I think that really within the movement too, like when we're, you know, there's so much discomfort around later abortion and around, you know, um, abortion for, you know, genetic reasons. Like if you've gotten a genetic test result, um, things like this that are of course, like complicated, right. It's not, you know, you do have to examine your own choices and like, is this, something that's rooted in ableism and like white supremacy and, you know, things like sex selection, like these things are really complicated and really uncomfortable and like full of pain, like generational pain, ancestral pain, cultural pain. And I think when we're not able to say I'm in pain, (laughs) what we end up saying is that's wrong. And I'm not in pain. I'm fine, but that can't happen. Yeah. (laughs) And it kind of like makes us, it puts us in this like defensive crouch of like, no, this is not about my personal pain and biases and problems and my own suffering that's happened to me. This is about like right and wrong. And I'm an objective, logical decider of right and wrong. And it's like, well, that's never where this reaction is coming from. Right. So I just think values clarifications for me as someone who's very emotional and often kind of like my emotions are like running the show and I'm not able to compartmentalize. Um, Really helpful for me to say like, okay, this person's, you know, the context in which this person is having this abortion is really upsetting to me. And it's really triggering to me for whatever reasons. Um, Is that separate? from their right to have the abortion? Yes, absolutely it is. Um, But is it separate from my ability to be the person who's there for them for that abortion and like through that abortion without projecting any of my own stuff onto them um, or treating them in a way, you know, unconsciously that is going to be stigmatizing or shaming or distancing or alienating for them um, because no one should have, no one should be like isolated and alienated, um, period. So that is like such an interesting exercise. And of course it depends on so many other things. Like, are you the only person this person has? Are you the only one who can support this person right now? And if the answer is no, then I think that's when you start to ask like, okay, like how can I get this person what they need, but not necessarily, you know, cross my own boundaries in pursuit of them getting what they need or like, you know, harm myself or whatever the case may be. Um, So again, it's like this thing where it's not a binary and there's never an easy answer and constantly like you don't, there aren't these clear, right? Like a patient doesn't come to you and like lay out exactly what is happening and why like things are coming up constantly as you're supporting someone. Um, that are surprises and that are unexpected and that bring up unexpected emotions. And I just want everyone to kind of feel comfortable with that because that is 
working with other humans in this right. intimate and changing on a daily basis. Like if totally. it's around an anniversary date of your own abortion, you may be able to provide different care than you would six months ago. <laughs> like, totally. If you are so pregnant yeah. and like feeling fetal movement inside yeah. your body, like how does that change your experience of what is happening with other people's bodies? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I was wanting to ask you the question. I wrote it down. Like, what do you believe about yourself or humans or the world that allows you to give care to someone whose values are different than yours or whose choices are different than yours? Um, Mm. And then I was also like trying to answer that question myself. And like, again, I'm not offering this in clinic care. So I'm literally just speculating, which is somewhat useful, but also not useful at all. Um, but like what I came up with myself, and again, I'm doing this work and interacting with people daily who are making different choices than I would on an online way. Um, but was just this belief that like, at first I thought maybe it was this belief that we're in this together. Like we're two humans who are in this together. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? we're humans here together. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. Like, how do we both be humans here together right now? Yeah. Like, if we just slowed down and asked ourselves that question, how could we be more like loving and supportive in any movements of social justice and like healthcare and like all the things, um, that was what I came up with is just remembering like we're human here together. Like this person has a really different belief system than me, but we're human here together. Um, do you have a sense of what that is for you? Like, what do you believe about yourself or the world that lets you um, give good yeah. care to people? I think what it is about myself that I believe or know to be true is that when I have needed help, the help I have received has been everything. Like I, there are no memories stronger for me than, you know, either as a patient myself, like when I think about, you know, the nurses who were with me as I gave birth um, and the things they did for me and when I think about, so I was married before my current beautiful, perfect husband and (laughs) my ex-husband, like there was just, there was a lot of, um, I got into a very dark place and there was a period in which I was going to seek a lot of medical care and a lot of um, therapy and like support and resources. And just thinking about the people who didn't know me, um, you know, I wasn't, they knew I didn't have money to pay them. Like they knew, you know, this was not like a transaction in any way. This was like, they looked at me and saw me and said like, oh honey, like I got you. Either like, I know what it is to be where you are right now, or I can't imagine like, I won't pretend to know what you're feeling, but I got you and what do you need? And let's get you what you need. And like, just, there are some people who probably don't remember me and like, you know, didn't remember me past yeah. our yeah. interaction, 
all and like would never remember this, but like because of these people, like because of this constellation yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of people, I'm alive and I'm okay. Yeah. And I have, you know, I did give birth to someone else and I married someone else. And so like it wasn't just me that they were creating, right? Like it wasn't just my future that they were like collaborating with me to make happen. It was all these other people's futures. Um, And so that is kind of what I carry with me that allows me to hopefully look at someone, not insert myself and mind my own business, but also say like, seems like you are in need of like someone to help you protect your joy and protect your body. And like, seems like you're trying to get through something and I can walk through it with you as much as you want or as far as you want. Yeah. Um, and it's very, I feel like we, a lot of people who don't, or who aren't in care work think that this is like a very high cost thing and they would have to really like, but I can't do that because I'm broke and I'm busy and I have three kids and I have a job and it's like, right. We all are like, overburdened we all assume (laughs) yeah but like there are very low cost ways that you can walk with someone through something um and so I just always try to remember that yeah like I hear you say like I know the value of being seen and helped like I remember that and so I want to offer it to other people exactly yeah yeah beautiful and I also kept oh go ahead I was just gonna say, it breaks my heart how much apologizing we all do when we're being helped. And I certainly remember apologizing and apologizing and apologizing and feeling totally. so ashamed and feeling so like, oh, this is so weird. Like, this is so yeah. embarrassing. This is, I'm really burdening you or I'm making you uncomfortable or like, I'm so sorry for telling you that. And like, it breaks my heart now when patients do it, right? Because it's just like, no, 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 no. Like, do not, Yeah. the person who should be sorry is the person or the people participating in like what is causing this suffering right now, not you. Yeah. 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 I also like kept hearing the words, like this person in front of me, whatever their experience is like, this person is having an emotional experience. Like just acknowledging that, like, that's it. This person in front of me, even if I don't understand it, is having an emotional experience. Like if I yeah. if I just stop there and acknowledge that, like how does that change the next thing that comes out of my mouth or the next thing that I say or do, like do or how right. I respond? Like so simple to just slow down and be like, this person is having an emotional experience. Like, and I know yeah. the value of being seen and helped. How can I be For here? Sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Is there any, is there anything we barely talked about the book at all? Happy <laughs> launch day. Um, everyone go order this book. It's amazing. But is there anything um you came today wanting to say and haven't had a chance to, or that you just feel like some listener needs to hear right now? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, I think just really in this moment, like I, so my husband and I hung a banner in my two-year-old's room recently that says make mistakes, keep going. So (laughs) like the first, first row is make mistakes. And the second row is keep going. 
Um, and there was a third row that said, be kind, but it fell, of course. So like <laughs> now it's just on the floor of my son's nursery because I am not mm. going to pick it up. Yeah. Um, but that is just something oh, I think. Oh, that's so good. Just make mistakes and keep going mm. because there's no world in which we're not going to make mistakes. We're not going to mess up, hurt people, need to apologize, need to clarify, like misunderstand each other. You know, we're, there's so much ego and so much fear. And again, we're all in fight or flight. We're all traumatized. We're all trying to survive. Of course, we're going to like bump up each, against each other in ways that don't feel good. Um, but yeah, just, I would say like, it's beyond self-forgiveness. It's kind of like just accepting <laughs> that you, yeah. your politics can't be perfect. Your actions can't be perfect. Your thoughts can't be perfect. And that's, there's no, you'll never reach that. And so that's not what you want to reach. What you want to reach is to like, listen and learn as much as possible from the people you're trying to be in community with. Um, yeah. And I just think, like, I was just talking to a friend who's a um, repo rights lawyer. And so she's like underwater, you know, trying to fight all these horrifically violent abortion bans and like enforcement mechanisms that are just like wildly unconstitutional and so aggressive. And so, and, you know, she was saying something that the anti-abortion side has done is for decades is they show up and lose, they show up and lose, they show up and lose and they keep showing up. So that to me right now is like, I am so tired. I show up and lose and I show up and lose. And like, you know, the dog's ruling comes down and Mr. Perstone gets banned and I can't help this patient and I can't help this patient. And, you know, I can't find funding for this abortion, but like you just show up and lose and show up and show up and show up. Um, And that is, yeah. So that is what I would say to listeners who I'm sure are also very tired and very burnt out and very, you know, the fatigue of what we're going through is, can't be overstated. Like, because all our personal, <laughs> personal <laughs> traumas don't stop, right. For the like mass trauma. And so we're all yeah. dealing with our own stuff and, but just make mistakes and keep going and keep showing up and do the small things you can like give the $10 to an abortion fund or give someone a ride to the clinic because it's on your way to work or because you have, you can get up 15 minutes earlier. Um, and just, you know, talk to people around you about abortion, say the word abortion so that they know it's safe to say that word around you. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, that's really, that's all I've got right now. It's <laughs> no, not it was perfect. I was on the, I was on with a peer coach just this morning before the call and they, we were talking about all things social chaos in the United States right now. And I said, I just have to keep reminding myself if I can help one person say the word abortion every day, like that's, that's a big, big deal. It makes a difference. Yes. Like help one person say the word abortion, help one person say yeah. the word abortion. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I again, think it's so true. Like they keep showing up and losing and they, they don't make it mean anything about them. They don't make it right. mean anything about their agenda. They don't make it mean anything about the movement or the future. Right. And we show up and lose and have these huge emotions yeah. <laughs> and shut down and panic. Totally. And we have to be able to 
show up, lose, have the emotion, explore the emotion, use the emotion to keep going and make more mistakes. And so I think we'll get there, but yeah, make mistakes and keep going. So good. Yeah. And just, yeah, like you said, that one person in front of you, right? Like help that one person get what they need or talk about abortion in the way they need to, or like realize they can say the word abortion. Like that is huge. That's huge. Yeah. 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 I'm imagining that, um, the banner in your kid's room and like, I love be kind. That's so lovely, but maybe on the other side of the room, (laughs) because sometimes being kind is the mistake that we make. Right. So it's like make mistakes, feel, keep going, make mistakes, feel, keep going. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, thank you so much. He's often not kind to me. So, you know, he doesn't have to be, it's okay. He doesn't have to be pressure. It's a lot of pressure to be kind. (laughs) Thank you so much. um, Have an amazing day and an amazing launch of this book. And um, and you're so welcome. Thank you. Oh, I should tell everyone if you order it from print bookstore in Portland, Maine, I can sign it and personalize it for you. And you can have me write whatever message. Oh, I love that. Just like type in the message and I will write it. Or if you want me to draw something, you can ask me to draw something, like whatever you want. So definitely. Yeah. That's so so good. Okay. I will link to that. And also I didn't even say like, I, I follow you on Instagram. Hannah says yes. Right. Is that true? And then where else can people follow you? Yeah, on Twitter, maybe not for much longer, who knows, but for right now on Twitter, I'm at Hannah M says, um, and then my website is hannahmatthews.me. And if you need my, if you need my contact information for, um, you know, if you need doula support or you need to connect someone else with support or funding, um, you can definitely, I would say DMs on Twitter is the best way right now. I do have a signal um, number, which is secured encrypted. So yeah. obviously keep it private. You can just DM me and say, hey, I need your signal number, um, you know, because I need support or I yeah. want to connect you to someone. And then I will, we can move to signal or proton mail or an encrypted um, platform. Cause I definitely want everyone to stay safe and do not reach out to me on social media to ask for help with your own abortion, just like for your own safety. I would say, let's move it to an encrypted platform first. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank okay. you. And have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.